Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Have you ever wondered what it would look like to change your business model or go through a huge pivot in the way that you are delivering your products, programs, and services? How much time it would take to get where you wanted to go? Well, this was a question one of my clients inside of Sweet Spot Strategy asked me, and I thought it would be an interesting episode to share behind the scenes of my journey, taking my business from one-on-one consulting to primarily group consulting and online courses and share why it took as long as it did, the lessons I learned along the way, and maybe some controversial counterintuitive insights that I've gleaned along the last decade. Are you ready to grow from solopreneur to CEO? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent the last decade helping women entrepreneurs start and scale service-based businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without the hustle and burnout. Before we dive into this very special behind the scenes episode, I wanted to give a quick listener shout out to Veg Eater on Apple Podcasts. She left this review, so much usable content, amazing, five stars. 18 years into my business and Rachel is the only person I want to listen to. She not only truly knows what she's talking about, she's completely authentic and transparent. This podcast is so full of valuable and usable content, it's incredible. There really is zero fluff. Every single thing she says is like another key to unlock what looks on the outside like magic. In this podcast, Rachel shows up in a meaningful way to truly make a difference in the women's businesses that make healing and transformational differences in other people's lives. I cannot recommend it enough. If you have a business and want success in your business and your life, you must listen. Oh my goodness, this was such an amazing review to read and I have to say, this is one of those things where when you sit down and record these podcasts, you often wonder who's on the other side, like who's got my voice in their earbuds as they're out doing their morning walk or running their errands or dropping the kids off at school. And it means so very much to me to hear from you. So thank you so much for this very, very kind review. I so appreciate it. And if you haven't left a review, head over to Apple Podcasts. It helps me to make sure that we are reaching and serving as many amazing women entrepreneurs as we can with the show. 
There is a lot of seemingly overnight success stories being shared on social media and being touted about in the online space. But when you really look under the hood of what it took for those entrepreneurs to get where they are to the point where they have multiple six or seven or eight figure businesses, often there was a lot of time and energy and effort that went in to getting their business to the point it is currently at. And in fact, when you really look behind the scenes, you start to see that the people who this seemed like they came out of nowhere and had this amazing success, they actually had years prior to that business getting experience in that field or starting another business, which was kind of their starter business, something that really helped them cut their teeth and learn how to be an entrepreneur before they landed on their existing business. And my story is no different. I have been running this current business, or I should say um, this iteration of my business under the name Rachel Cook MBA since we launched this site in 2015. Prior to that, it was under the brand The Yogipreneur, which I launched in 2009. But I've been consulting and working with small businesses since 2004. So it's not been the fast track to success. It's actually been the long, slow, and steady track to success. But I thought it would be helpful to dig a little bit more into what it really looked like, especially answering this question that was posed in my group. Have you ever changed your business model? What did that look like? And specifically, they were looking for, have you ever made that shift from working one-to-one to a more leveraged model where you're running group programs or online courses. And how did that work? How long did it really take you? I wanted to dig into this because I feel like my story is relatable to a lot of people. And I feel like with all the hype out there, hearing a relatable story might give you some peace of mind and help you see that you are closer than you might think to achieving your goals. So Here's how my timeline has shifted and changed and how my business model has changed. As I said, I started my business under the brand The Yogi Printer in 2009. That was a pretty huge year for me. In fact, I left corporate the year before. Um, and it took me about a year of trial and error and figuring out exactly what I wanted to do, um, doing some consulting behind the scenes with different people. But I officially filed the paperwork in April of 2009. I remember because that's in my drawer of my desk. It's like my business anniversary. I felt like it was official. I now had the official LLC for the Yogipreneur. Prior to that, I was testing things. I was trying to figure out what I could do and how I could help people. I was trying to think through what that business would look like. And I have to be honest, it took me about a year from the time I turned in my notice at my former corporate consulting job to get the clarity I needed of what this new business would be. It took that year of trial and error. I was consulting different types of businesses. I started in the yoga industry, um, but I also had other businesses that I knew through my network that I could offer support to. So I started just doing one-off, com- completely um, no package or anything, just you know, book an hour with me of strategic consulting or book a strategic planning re- retreat with me for businesses that had small teams. I was kind of taking what I had done in corporate, just doing it more on my own. And through some trial and error, 
through some testing, I realized that there was a huge opportunity for me in specifically the yoga space. I was very passionate about yoga, still am, still practice every single day. I was getting very close with my teacher who would help me through a really tough time recovering from burnout. And she came to me and she said, you know, Rach, I know that you have this background in consulting. I know you don't want to go back to to working for someone else for corporate, but could you support me in turning my studio around? And that was the the opening that I needed in order to realize, oh, I can apply what I know to these small solo owner-operated businesses, people who had a lot of passion, but maybe didn't have the business acumen or experience to run the type of business they wanted to have. And so that kicked off my journey and that gave me a niche, that gave me a type of client to serve, that gave me clarity on what types of offers I should create for them. And I started working one-on-one and one-on-one really sustained me for several years. One-on-one in that niche at that time, there was no one talking to yoga business owners. In fact, if you were Googling in 2009 for someone to help you with your yoga business, you found me and you found maybe three or four other people who were specifically helping yoga business owners with business. Um, Lots of other broad coaches out there, but not many that targeted. And so that was a huge plus for me. Being the first in that space or one of very few in that space was a huge asset. It meant people could find me on search. It made it easy for me to start um, putting content out there and having people find me. It made it easier for me to be featured as a speaker for any of the big yoga magazines or um, yoga organizations or yoga schools. They were able to find me and book me as a speaker very quickly. I was able to do all sorts of things with them very quickly. And I got a lot of referrals because yoga people all know other yoga people. So it was a great start to a one-on-one business. What happened pretty quickly after I started my business, though, um, was I got pregnant and I had twins. So I quickly realized I couldn't just have one-off sessions or, you know, just booking me at a day rate for an intensive. I needed to have retainer packages. So that was the first shift was putting everybody on a retainer, which meant they were paying me a monthly fee. I think it was like $1,000 a month. And I was not just consulting. I was basically a outsourced marketing department for them. And that really helped me through that time when I was having babies and on bed rest and then all of that stuff. So from about 2008 to 2011, my business was 100% one-on-one. And that worked for me at that stage. It really helped me in that startup stage of my business and honestly, the startup stage of my family to take the time I needed to figure out what I wanted, to really work with a lot of different types of businesses. I worked with over a 100 different yoga business owners in those few years. And that gave me a lot of time to refine my ideas, to test different processes, to test different strategies with them, to see what worked in that industry and what didn't work, to refine my knowledge and learn as much as I could about that specific industry. And all of that worked in my favor, right? Keep in mind, having new babies, not just one new baby, but two new babies really shook things up for me. So I was not working like full-time hours. And I say that, I'm like doing the little quote bunny ears in front of my microphone, like you can see me, but I know you can't. Full-time hours (laughs) didn't exist at that point. I was really maybe 10 hours a week um, because newborns. And we all know 
they take a lot of effort. So I was not putting in a lot of time or energy in the business at that point. I was just basically trying to make sure I could pay our bills, (laughs) break even a little bit. Um, But I was able to pay our bills. I was able to get some help. I was able to hire an assistant. I was able to hire a babysitter. um, And I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making enough at that point to get through that stage of life. So it was all 100% one-on-one up until that point. I did not break six figures in my business until 2011. And that was the year my my twins were born in January 2010. Um, And I kind of was in newborn mom mode for that entire year. And once 2011 came around, a few different things shifted for me. One, I was out of the fog of newborns. They were turning one. I felt more confident in having someone else take care of them. I had finally found a babysitter I liked. We were in a really good place. My postpartum depression was better. So I was able to actually mentally be in the space to think about growing my business. Um, two, my husband was at the state stage where we both were like, okay, we either need to go all in on this business or he needed to support me in, in me going and getting a job. And that was the moment where I was like, nope, I'm going all in. What do I need for this business to work? And I realized that I needed to shift. I needed to shift away from one-on-one because if I was dependent 100% on one-on-one and I needed to grow my revenue, I didn't have the hours available. My hours were actually very, very limited. I knew that with these two babies, the cost of childcare was really, really prevented preventing me <laughs> from working one-on-one. Um, and in fact, any moms out there, you guys know how expensive childcare is. I remember once they were actually old enough to go to preschool, we were paying, I think it was like $1,200 a month for the two of them to go to preschool. So we're hit, you know, two times over <laughs> with kid expenses and childcare is incredibly expensive. So I knew a few things then. I knew I didn't want to put them in full-time childcare yet. They were still really little. I wanted to wait a few more years, um, but I did need help. So I needed a babysitter or a nanny. I knew that I wanted to work probably about 20, 25 hours a week, but I didn't have enough childcare piece together or a dedicated office space to where I could spend most of that time one-on-one. It just wasn't going to work. So when I set up my model calendar... For that time, I decided I would basically set all of my client appointments, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, from three o'clock to five o'clock. So that was when my husband got home because he was a seventh grade English teacher. So that meant I could see five or six one-on-one clients um, at a time, and they would work with me for six months or more. And that was the foundation for my baseline revenue in my business. Baseline revenue is revenue you can depend on month after month after month. You're not just selling one hour of your time at a time. You're getting people committed to you for six months, three months, six months, a year, however long. But it helps you establish revenue you can depend on month after month. And with that plan, okay, I have six spots in my calendar to work with these clients. Um, That really helped me get the first stage of what I needed as I was ready to grow my business. In fact, I had those clients on an alternating schedule. So I had 
six clients on one week. The following week, it was a different six clients. So it was 12 clients total. They were paying me $2,500 for six months of coaching, which is so, so underpriced and a way over delivered. Um, but that secured 30 grand for me in the first six months of that year. And that was huge because that was basically my husband's teaching salary. And I was able to rinse and repeat that for another 30 grand the second half of the year. So most of my revenue that year, 60 grand of it came from one-on-one. And once I had those clients booked the first half of the year, I then had the freedom. I knew I only had six calls a week. So that was six hours a week for calls. I had another hour or two where I was doing sales calls or those, you know, free strategy sessions to keep those clients booked or to fill those spots. But then the rest of my time could be spent marketing. The rest of my time could be spent writing content for my blog on the website, um, using social media, which you have to think back in 2011, really no one was using social media for business. So it was a huge like blue ocean. There was no competition out there. It was really easy for me to get out there and find people to talk to and network with and connect with. I was able to start creating content for other platforms. So again, getting in front of other people's audiences. I was creating blog posts for them or participating in their online summits or doing free teleseminars for them. This was before webinars. This is when you dialed into a conference line. And I would always offer at the end of those trainings, you know, a free strategy session with me. And that's how I kept my client docket full and was able to build that wait list for people. So I was able to secure 60 grand of revenue just by focusing on one-on-one. That also allowed me the time I needed because again, that working one-on-one with clients, I had 25 hours a week, six of those hours were clients, maybe two or three were spent filling those client docket, that meant that I still had like 15 hours a week to market and to work on what was next. And I knew what was going to be next for me was shifting towards a one-to-many model. I had heard about creating an online course um, and I thought that is a perfect fit for me. I have worked with 100 or more clients at this point. I could see the patterns. I had already developed these frameworks. I was teaching them one-on-one how to design their business model, how to create their offers, how to market and sell their offers, and then deliver those offers. I was helping those people grow their businesses in the yoga space, but I was also starting to attract other holistic health um, entrepreneurs, coaches, life coaches especially was starting to be really big. I was like, I can turn this into a program, teaching people how to design a business. When you are a yoga teacher, holistic healthcare entrepreneur, healer, life coach type of business. So I created my very first online course and launched it in May of 2011. I launched it with a three-part video series and got 25 people into my first round. And that was a game changer for me. That was a huge game changer for me. Not even in terms of revenue quite yet. (laughs) We ended up making about $25,000 in that first round, which was amazing, right? Like that was a huge influx, especially considering I had committed to six months before with people in order to make 30,000. But what really was the game changer is once I had all that content created, I didn't have to create it again. 
So it took me probably 200 hours to create the original program, which has now evolved since then into my program Sweet Spot Strategy. But it took me about 200 hours because one, um, I am a little bit of an over teacher. So I really had a lot of content in there that I've refined and edited as, as we've made the program better. Um, but it takes a lot of time and energy to map out the content. I was scripting all the content. I was creating all the slide decks, recording everything. Back then the software was not as good. So I can't tell you how often like my computer would um, kind of shut down in the middle of recording something. It was overloading my poor laptop because I was using the same laptop I had from grad school. Um, it was really hard <laughs> that first time to record all of that content. But by the end of the year, we broke six figures. About 60 grand of it was coming in from one-on-one um, and about 40 grand of it was coming in from my group program that I had launched. And that was amazing. So I broke six figures in that first year, but it was really about 75% one-on-one, 25% group program. That was the very first year we we created the program and we launched it in May and then we launched it again in like September, October. The next year, we saw those percentages shift again because I was launching an additional time. So I launched the program three times in January, May, and September. And then I was able to reduce my one-on-one a little bit. So at this point, I was at six figures. I was growing about probably about 50% a year. Um, I wasn't quite doubling every year, but I was growing about 50 to 70% every year. But what started happening was I could see the revenue was great. I was able to pay myself what I wanted to pay myself. I was getting to the point where I was about to pay myself a six-figure salary. And I still had my capacity with working one-on-one because I had only, you know, 20, 25 hours a week available to work. So with that, I decided to drop down my one-on-one a little bit. I increased my prices because it was time. (laughs) It was time for me to increase my one-on-one prices. And I can't exactly remember what it was, that price increase. Um, It might've been when it doubled. I think I doubled it from 2,500 to 5,000 for six months. Um, and I dropped the number of people in half. So I basically made the same amount from one-on-one, but I worked with half, half as many people at twice the price point. And then we launched three times more that year for Sweet Spot Strategy. And that was the year that we got really close to me paying myself six figures. I paid myself six figures the following year in 2013. And this was another shift. Again, my one-on-one dropped down to about 30% of my revenue was coming from one-on-one and 70% was coming from Sweet Spot Strategy. This was the first year that I made multiple six figures. Um, I was at about, I think around 250 or 300,000 in revenue. I paid myself a six-figure salary and I had Mitchell, (laughs) my third child, and he was born in February and I took three months of maternity leave and then we launched as soon as I got back. So that was um, the year where I really started to feel like, okay, I can really taper off my one-on-one services. By 2014, I had tapered down my one-on-one to 20% of my revenue was coming from one-on-one and 80% was coming from my group program. And by 2015, I cut out one-on-one completely. 
and I didn't bring it back for years. In fact, I would still say I don't have just one-on-one. Anybody who wants one-on-one access to me is now coming in at the CEO accelerator level. So as you can tell from my story, and I'll just go through the percentages again, um, from 2008 to 2011, 100% one-on-one. Started as one-off sessions and booking me for a whole strategy day, turned into a retainer, then turned into booking me for six months of coaching at a time. Um, 2011, it was 75% of my revenue coming in from one-on-one, about 25% coming in from my online program, which I launched twice that very first year. 2012, 50% came from one-on-one, 50% from my online program, which I launched three times that year. 2013, first year I paid myself six figures, about 30% of the revenue was from one-on-one, 70% was from my online program, and that was the year I had maternity leave and saw that, oh, I can be okay without all the one-on-one work. 2014, 20% one-on-one, 80% group program, and 2015, 100% all online programs. So why did it take me so long? (laughs) Or did it take me long? I don't know. I can only tell you my story. I don't think it took me that long. And I also um, feel incredibly proud of the way that I did that because I have done all of this while having very small children, very limited time, And I did this in a way that allowed me to pay myself. If I was in a completely different position, um, like if my husband was making a much larger salary and didn't need me to contribute towards our household, then I would have had to make different decisions. Or if I wasn't needing to pay myself anything, I could just, you know, reinvest back into the business. I probably could have scaled up the group program a lot faster because there would have been profits there ready to reinvest, right? Um, But that wasn't the case. (laughs) That wasn't the case for me. So it took me some time from 2011 to 2015 to make that transition. And here's a a few of the things that happened there. First, I underpriced my initial one-on-one offers, and it took me a while to go from $2,500 for six months of coaching to $5,000 for six months of coaching to $10,000 for six months of coaching. And yes, I pretty much just doubled it each time it was time to do a price increase. At that point, I was realizing, one, how very much I had undervalued myself, and I started seeing people who were less experienced than me, who had less education, who had no consulting background, um, who were going out there with much higher rates for me to kind of snap out of it and say, whoa, I really, really have not done myself right here. I've really undervalued what I have to offer. And it was maybe not how everybody raises their prices to just say, you know what, I'm going to double this. But I found that I could double it and people would come in and pay it. And there was never any pushback. I wasn't doubling it on people who had already contracted to work with me. It was for the next group of people. And they honestly didn't even know what the price point was before. So I just doubled those prices as I realized how undervalued I put them. (laughs) And it quickly changed things in my business because now my baseline revenue was a lot more. um, And it gave me, again, 
less hours dedicated to one-on-one, still making great money from one-on-one. I was making six figures with one-on-one, but I had more time now to develop the group offers that I had. The second reason it took me a longer time to make that transition was I underpriced my online course right out of the gate. And honestly, it was because I didn't know any better. Like I wasn't sure what the appropriate pricing was. I wasn't sure what the range should be. I didn't see very much out there comparable to what I had. In fact, when um, a few years later, I started seeing a lot more online courses come out, I realized, okay, I really started at a much lower level than I should considering how amazing the content was and how great my client results were. So I saw other programs out there. I saw that they were not including the level of support that I was including. They weren't including all the level of content I was including. Yeah, that's when I realized I needed to raise my prices. So my introductory rate for my course starting in 2011 was $697. I also had a VIP upgrade. I believe that first price point for that VIP upgrade was $1497, which included one-on-one with me. So they could either just get the course in group calls or they could get the course plus group calls, plus one-on-one with me. Then I increased the base price to $9.97 and still had the VIP upgrade for like $19.97. Then I dropped the VIP upgrade and just had the price point at $14.97. Then I increased it to $19.97. And then at its current rate of $2.997, when did we bring that up? We brought that up around 2015. Um mainly because I deliver a lot of hands-on support. It's not a program where there's thousands of people coming in. You're actually getting access to me for, you know, the entire time you're going through the program. So over the course of how many years is that now? That's now eight years. Um, Going into nine years of running this program, we've increased the price point of that a lot and actually priced it for profit, priced it for me to have support team supporting you know, my community, have a director of customer success, all of those things. Um, The next reason that it took me so long to get where I was going is because I didn't have a huge audience. I was coming out of the gate um, with a one-on-one business model where I hadn't been doing any sort of list building. And in fact, the only reason I had a quote unquote list was because one, my network, I'd been out there networking like crazy. So I had a list I could draw from, from that, like people I had actually connected with individually. But I had um, a newsletter sign up form that my original website designer put on my website and I kind of forgot about it. I just had a free ebook available. And over time that started growing. Um, but I didn't actively promote it. I didn't know what I was doing. No one was talking about this stuff in 2008, 2009, 2010. So when I first really started getting ready to grow my business and getting ready to hit six figures and multiple six figures, I did not have a big audience and it took a lot of work. I think when I first launched the program, I probably had a few thousand people on my list. Um, and probably a lot of those people. In fact, I know a lot of the people who actually were the first like launch group that I ever had in my online program were people I had had free sales calls with or free consulting calls with who didn't book to work with me one-on-one. They didn't book to work with me one-on-one for $2,500. But when I launched a program, 
that was $6.97 with an upgrade for like $14.97, they said yes to that. So it actually worked in my benefit that I had worked one-on-one and had so many of those free calls because I had warmed all those people up. They were excited. They were just waiting for the right offer that was a better fit for what they needed. That worked out really well. Um, But yeah, it took a while for me to have a bigger audience. And most of my time and energy had been spent from 2011 on as I was going to continue to grow that program. And I wanted to taper off one-on-one and kind of flip from 80% one-on-one, 20% group program to 20% one-on-one to 80% group program. I really had to do a lot of list building. I had to really raise my profile and my visibility in order to make that happen. So the final thing I'll say about this is honestly, cutting back one-on-ones for me was very scary. And I think the reason it was scary to me is I knew that it would not take very many people working with me one-on-one to make sure that baseline revenue was there for me. And because I needed to pay myself a paycheck out the gate, because I needed to um, be able to take care of my family, I really was depending on those one-on-ones. They can make a huge impact. And you have people paying you $500 a month or $1,000 a month or what, 15, um, yeah, 1,500 a month. That makes a huge impact. And oh my gosh, eases cash flow problems so much more compared to having, you know, people paying you just $100 or a couple hundred dollars a month. So for me, letting go of one-on-one took a lot of time. I had to build the confidence in myself and my ability to grow the audience and my ability to um, launch this online program and my ability to deliver that online program. I really had to build up to the point where I felt confident that was the right choice. And that's something that I think everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. Some people feel totally great about going out there and really going 100% into list building, going 100% into launching and growing and scaling a group program. But it just takes a lot more time and effort than I ever could have imagined. And knowing now what I do know, um, I'm glad I had the one-on-one as my baseline for so long because I never had to go into a month feeling like I couldn't pay myself or feeling like one bad launch was going to cause major financial problems for my family. So those are the things that I hope are helpful. I hope this um, is interesting to you. I would love to hear your insights or your ahas as I'm sharing this with you. There are so many different stories, everyone. And when I talk to my peers who have been in this industry for as long as I have, I can't tell you how many people actually started with one-on-one consulting, one-on-one services before they became known for a group program or an online program. Most of the people out there in the online space, that is how they started. And they were there for a few years. And even if they didn't love it, they might have talked about how it just wasn't a fit for them and it wasn't their favorite thing. That's fine. But it gives you a few advantages. One, you are able to charge higher prices for one-on-one than you can for online courses. Like that's just the bottom line. You're going to be able to have a more premium rate for working one-on-one with people. In fact, if you're doing done for you with them versus just coaching, consulting, that's even a higher price point. So 
you can make more money with fewer people, which means you need a smaller audience. You don't have to spend so much time marketing and selling in order to make the revenue you need to make. And that's awesome, right? Especially when you're just getting started, you don't have a huge audience. The other thing is you really can't discount the experience you get working one-on-one with people. I learned so much working with those first hundred or so people, whether it was in a one-off strategy session or a one-day intensive with them or hosting all these workshops and trainings or whatever I was doing with them in the first you know, few years of my business, I learned so much. I was able to try out so many ideas with different types of clients and different businesses. And ultimately what it allowed me to do was go from things I knew as concepts or as theories and actually implement them with people, actually see how they worked and see how we could problem solve them, how we could um, course correct, how we could refine them to work for different types of businesses. And that's what allowed me to develop my own intellectual property, my own frameworks, my own ways that I approach things. So if you heard me talk in the last episode about the sweet spot theme, that is a framework I developed after working with, at that point, hundreds, maybe even over a thousand different types of businesses. I started seeing the same things show up for different types of people. And I realized, oh, what works for this person isn't working for that person. I wonder why. What can we do? What can I glean from this? How can I help people understand this concept? When I started putting together my five-part marketing strategy based on the customer journey, it was because of the work I was doing and I could see people were confused and I could see that they were overwhelmed and suddenly I had a framework I could teach from. So working with one people one-on-one is what allowed me to develop those ideas and those concepts. That's what allowed me to develop those frameworks and really allowed me to become better at helping other people grow their businesses because now I have the tools and the systems and the structures that will really help them get there. So I think there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, how fast it can be, how amazing it can be to grow your online business. And yes, I have I have clients who have grown faster than me, which makes me incredibly proud of them and of the work we've done together because I've been able to help them get up that learning curve faster. I've been able to help them price better upfront. They didn't underprice themselves the way I did. I've been able to help them get the marketing systems and sales systems in place faster because I've already been there and done that and I can help them up that learning curve faster. But if it is taking you a little longer, I don't want you to beat yourself up about it. I want you to know that you're going through this journey at the pace you're meant to go through it. And when you're ready for a little bit more speed, you're ready for more support, you're ready to get some systems or to figure out how to streamline what you're doing, we're here for you. And we're going to continue supporting you through that. Because my goal is that it doesn't take you as long as it took me. um, And that I'm helping you shorten that learning curve. Okay, if you love today's episode, take a screenshot, share it with me on Instagram tag at rachel.cook. And let me know what your biggest aha or insight was. For the latest episodes and full show notes, head over to rachelcook.com slash show. If you don't want to miss any future episodes, make sure you subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Jameson Cook from JCC Podcast Production for producing and editing the show. Go check him out at jamesoncook.com to bring your podcast to life. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Promote Yourself to CEO. Talk soon. Talk soon.